Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, your Father in heaven is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who provides. And because of that, you can be sure that your God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Open your Bibles, please, to Philippians 4. And I would be very happy to do that if I had a Bible here. Preacher without a Bible. Now, if I was really good, I wouldn't need it. Philippians 4, if you're using this Pew Bible, you can find that on page 982. We're going to continue our examination of this passage from Philippians 4 that we've been looking at over the course of the last couple of weeks. And today we're going to focus upon a single verse, verse 19 of chapter 4 of Philippians. You'll remember that Paul in this passage, Paul is thanking the Philippians for a gift that the Philippian church had sent to him through one of their own members, one of their own community, Epaphroditus. I'll start reading in verse 10 of chapter 4. This is God's holy living and inerrant word. Please give it the attention that it so richly deserves. Paul writes in verse 10 saying, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me again, please. Lord God, this is an amazing thought. This is a comforting thought that you would provide for us in this way, that that you would supply for every need that we may have. And you do that out of your riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Lord, you have all of the riches and glory. All things are from you and to you and for you. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord and all that is in it. And Lord, you are our good Father. And because of your goodness and because of the merits of Christ, you delight to give us that which we need. 
Help us to believe that you really will give us all that we need. That you really will give us all that we need for this life and for the next. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our faith so that we would trust you, so that we would trust in your promises. And then that in return, we would gratefully seek to honor you all the days of our life. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I mentioned earlier that that we can think of and know God as Jehovah Rapha, which is Hebrew for the one of the names of God, if you will, of the Lord who provides, or literally, the Lord will provide. We come to know the Lord that way in Scripture through an account of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22. And I'll invite you to take to turn to that, Genesis 22, and we'll take a look at that passage about how God is the Lord who provides. In Genesis 22, verse 1, we're told that the Lord tested Abraham. And I'll start reading in verse 2. The Lord said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Guys, that's the response of faith. God calls upon us to take an action early the next morning. Abraham gets up to accomplish that thing, even this challenging thing. Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw that place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and will come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Do not miss a couple of things here. It's after three days. Laying wood upon the back of his son. We remember how the cross was laid upon the Lord Jesus as he went to Calvary to offer himself as a sacrifice. Abraham took his, in his hand the fire and the knife, so they both of them went together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on top of the altar. And notice here Isaac's willingness to be sacrificed. He laid his son on top of the altar, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, Here I am. 
And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And remember that the father did not withhold his son for our sake. Verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Rapha, the Lord will provide. Friends, on that day, Abraham learned the lesson that the Lord desires for you and I to learn today. And that is that your God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This truth is present throughout Scripture. Psalm 84, 11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And Psalm 34, which we used as our call to worship this morning, verses 8 through 10, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, or I might add, the woman who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Your God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. In Christ Jesus. Or Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Literally, I have no lack. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Christ himself makes the same promise that Paul makes. That your God will supply every need of yours in in Matthew 6. Those familiar words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed or dressed like one of these. Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Friends, the promise is sure. Your God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then, of course, there's the quintessential exposition of this in Scripture in Romans chapter 8. Let's turn to that. Romans chapter 8, if you're 
using the Pew Bible. You can find that on page 944. This familiar passage which is so dear to us all. I'll begin reading in in verse 31. And again, let's look to the Lord's protection, the Lord's provision, the Lord's supply of that which we need. Beginning in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, in these various passages that, that we've considered today, we see the paradox of the gospel. Jesus says, don't worry about things. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you'll wear. God will clothe you. He says, don't worry about what, you, what you'll eat. Like the birds of the air, God will feed you. But what does Paul say? He says, sometimes you may be clothed in nakedness. Sometimes there will be famine." Sometimes there'll be distress. Sometimes there'll be tribulation. But still is this gospel truth. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For even when we might be naked, we're not if we're clothed in Christ. And even in famine and hunger, when we may have nothing to eat, still we can feast upon Christ who is the bread of life and who said that anyone who comes to him will not truly hunger. Anyone who believes in him will not thirst. And even death shall not cause us to lack because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And because of that, whoever believes in him, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in him shall never die. Your God will supernaturally supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And he's able to do that because as we're told in Romans 8.28, God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
God works all things for good. And sometimes our lack is a gift. Paul acknowledges that in in Philippians saying, I know how to be brought low. I know what it's like to face hunger, to face need. But he says, in whatever might be going on, he's learned how to be content. He's learned how to trust that what the Lord provides is a sufficient provision. And he's learned to trust, as we're told in, in Psalm 84, 10, 84, 11, that the Lord will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. And so if the Lord brings abundance, Paul's content. And if the Lord's allowed for hunger to come, Paul's learned to be content in that also. Giving thanks to the Lord that, as he says in 4.13, that he can do all things through him who strengthens me. What we might see as lack, the Lord gives to us as our good. We see a great example of that in Romans 5, 3, and 4, where Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Do you see what's going on in that passage? We're we're suffering, and so we might think that we're lacking something. We're suffering, we think, because we don't have something, whether, whether that's just deliverance or freedom from that trial. That's at least how we might process it. But that's not the case in the Lord's economy. Because what we might see as lack, that suffering can actually be a gift a provision from God for our good so that we might learn endurance. And Romans 5.4 says that endurance produces Christian character and that character produces hope. It produces trust in the Lord. And really, isn't that actually our greatest need? And so that lack, that suffering, is actually a good gift from the Lord that he uses to accomplish his sovereign purposes in our life. Our God has promised to supply every need of ours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If we had no suffering or or what we might consider to be a lack of something, if we didn't have that, we could be tempted even to forget the Lord completely. Here I I think of Paul and the thorn in the flesh that the Lord gave to him. That was done, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, to keep Paul from becoming conceited because of these glorious visions that the Lord allowed him to see. You know the story, how Paul pleaded on multiple occasions with the Lord to, to take that thorn from him. But the Lord didn't. And that was done, Paul says, so that he would learn that God's power is made perfect in weakness, and so that he'd come to understand that God's grace was sufficient for him. Rather than to have freedom from that thorn in the flesh, it was better for him to receive the gift of a knowledge that the grace of God is sufficient for your needs. Sometimes what we might experience as lack is the gift. 
But again, Psalm 84.11, the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who fear him. Your God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And if you ever doubt that, just remember the words of 1 John 3.1. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Remember also those beautiful words of Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. In him we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. O oh, friends, this God who loves you this way, this God who delights to receive you as his dearly loved son or daughter, this good God and Father who has loved us with an everlasting love, as we're told in Jeremiah 31.3, this good loving Father who has loved you since before the foundation of the world has promised that he will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And as we're told in Hebrews 10, 23, he who has promised is faithful. He will do it. In closing, let's consider again the words of the 23rd Psalm, giving thanks to the Lord for the way that he provides for all of our needs perfectly. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leaves me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our good shepherd. And because you are our good shepherd, you give direction to us. One of the ways that you do that is through your spirit, through your word, through the counsel of, of other 
wise followers of you. As our shepherd, you give ample provision. You lead us to pasture. You protect us. Your word tells us that you, the good shepherd, are not like the hired hand for when danger comes, you will lay down your life for the sake of the sheep. But Lord, you're not just the good shepherd who, who protects and provides for his sheep, but you are also the Passover lamb, and you are the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, you are our great high priest, but you are also the perfect sacrifice itself, the once-for-all perfect atoning sacrifice for sin. You're the one and only way to peace and reconciliation with the Father. You are our righteousness. You are our Redeemer. You are our King. You are our God. And we worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, give us eyes of faith to recognize your ample and sufficient provision. May we, with Paul, say that we consider all things to be as rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord God, may we always consider you as our greatest treasure, our full sufficiency, our all in all. Lord, accomplish this, Lord, for. For our sake and for the sake of Christ, we pray.